Welcome, welcome to a brand new episode of the Entrepreneur Speaker Series. Today I have amazing guests. His name is Abbas Mohammed. I'm so grateful and excited to have Abbas Mohammed on the show. Abbas started out in the real estate business as an agent at the age of 18 in 2017. And he's now ranked as one of the highest producing agent in the nation. Within just a few short years of becoming an agent, Abbas focused on setting up simple systems and hiring numerous virtual assistants from all over the world to quickly grow his business and become one of the top agents. And not just in the state of California where he is based, uh, but now he's ranking as one of the top agents in the entire nation mm. and winning multiple uh, different awards. And, and now he has transitioned expanding his real estate into the apartment investing. So today, um, our topic is called the strategies and system that he used to build a virtual team all across the globe. So Abbas, without further ado, welcome to our show. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, just a little bit of uh, background story and uh, how we met. Um, just a couple of months ago, right? We we actually Absolutely. met at the mastermind dinner. We and did. Yeah, you were sitting in front of me and then I, I listening to your story. I was so fascinated. So can you give us a little bit background about your, your story? How did you start this entrepreneurial journey? Absolutely. I mean, I'll start from the beginning. You know, I got uh, I was born initially in Iraq back, uh, you know, obviously many years ago. And, you know, I was not born to a rich family. My family, I remember, we, we didn't have a lot of money. We were a family of seven in Iraq. And um, in fact, I remember growing up, I even slept on concrete because we couldn't even afford beds. Right. So it was it was pretty miserable growing up. Um, and I always hated it. I, I remember seeing all my friends, they had a lot more things than, than we did. And uh, growing up, I always wanted to change that as soon as I possibly could. But anyway, um, the war happened in 2003 between Iraq and the US. And then our financial situation got even worse because we lost our house. And then we had to kind of transition around from one area to another constantly up until we decided, you know what, we're going to leave Iraq in 2007. And we ended up migrating to Syria for a couple of years. Again, same situation, family of seven in, a, in like a one bedroom apartment, no beds, nothing, nothing like that. And we decided to apply as refugees to come to the US. We thought, look, that's probably, you know, one of the best things we could do if we could get approved. But the approval process is super long. And most people end up getting denied. But for some reason, we got accepted. And two years later, after living in Syria, they got us over to uh, the, the UN got us over to the US. And I've been here since 2009. And I remember, you know, when we came here, my family had like $200. Literally two days after coming into the US, my dad went out and he got a job instantly. And he was he was a hard worker and he still is. And uh, that's where I learned to work hard, you know, since since early in, in my childhood. Wow. But, how old were you uh, at, at the time when I, when we came to the U.S.? I was uh, 11 years old. 11. Yeah, we didn't speak English or anything like that, and uh, we had to learn everything from scratch. So it was it was not easy. It was not easy, but you know whatever we had to go through in the U.S. was a lot easier than what we had to go through in Iraq and Syria, going through wars and poverty and all that sort of stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, you, it, was, it was. 2009. Tough. I have special. Um, Connection 2009. That's a year I came to the U.S. too. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. 
That's awesome. But yeah, so, you know, we came to the U.S. Uh, we lived first in, Me in Memphis, Tennessee. We were there for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, there's um, a lot of racism out there, especially if you don't speak English or you're a foreigner. Right. So we decided, you know what, we want to move somewhere else. And that's kind of why we decided to move to California. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been we've been here now for the past, I guess, 10 years or so. And so uh, oh, God. Yeah, so so you said your your parents they don't know anything about business, no entrepreneurial background. So what inspired you to become an entrepreneur? How did you get started? No well, email. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing. I just I remember growing up, I saw my dad, he was working super hard. He was working all the time. I you know, we barely really saw him because he was always at work. But our financial situation was always not that great. And so growing up, I kind of felt like I don't want to take that same path. I don't want to work for other people and I don't want to go to college and do all these sort of things. Now, obviously, coming from a, a family of you know foreigners, you know, that's kind of the big thing going to college. So when I when I was uh, 17 years old, I, I did go to college for a couple of years. But then I just I hated it because I, I knew that's not where I wanted to go, what I wanted to be and, and where I wanted to go. So. At 18, I decided, you know what, I'm I, at the time I was selling cars, I decided, you know what, I'm going to stop selling cars because I hated that job as well. I was really good at it, but I just hated selling cars. There was no money there. And I also decided I'm going to stop going to college and I'm just going to get into uh, into my own business. Now, at the time, I could not afford to start my own business because I was 18 years old. I was completely broke. My family didn't have any money where I could get a loan or anything like that. Right. So uh, I had a credit card and I remember starting my real estate business on a, on a credit card because that's the only thing I could do. I had $5,000 on it. I was like, might as well just go out and, and uh, take a chance on myself. What do I have to lose? I'm 18. And so I got my real estate license. I started my business. And when I first started, you know, I didn't know a lot about how to run a business. So I started out doing everything incorrectly. I went out, knocked on many, many doors, literally I remember like knocking on hundreds of doors every single day for eight or nine hours, asking people if they want to sell their home. There we go. Hey, we're back. Now we know it's alive, right? This yeah, see, see, that's the thing with being alive is that you get issues like that. Okay. But anyway, so so I was knocking on doors. I did that for, you know, three months. I knocked on literally hundreds of doors every single day. I got rejected every single day. And that helped me out a lot because I learned that it's okay to be rejected. I learned that if somebody shuts the door in my face, I just need to move on to the next door and the next door and the next door until I get somebody to say yes, right? So that taught me a lot of things. But at some point, I was not getting much traction and I had to find a way to make money. So I actually went back to my car sales job, which I absolutely hated. I hated selling cars with a passion, but I had to do it. You have to do what you have to do, right? And when I went back to selling cars, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm locked up at the office what do i have to do to generate business and so that's where calling on the phone came in because the only thing i could have could do from the office was to make phone calls so i basically got a list of every homeowner i could get in my area and i started literally calling down the list asking people if they want to sell their home i would call and say hey this is a boss i'm a real estate agent in the area just call and see if you're looking to sell and i did that literally from nine o'clock in the morning to 8 30 at night every single day for seven days a week i did not take a single day off and sometimes you know i would be selling cars so i would pause that i would go sell a car then i would go back and then i would start making phone calls all over again or <laughs> 
there are other customers that are, you know, in, in the office, so I would go to the bathroom and make phone calls. I would go to the rooftop and make phone calls away from other people just looking for business. And I did that literally for a full year before I finally got my first transaction. It was, it was super hard. It was miserable, but I knew that, you know, going back to college and getting a job or, or, you know, um, staying as a used car salesman was not what I wanted to do. And I was willing to do anything to get out of that job. So, so that's oh why gosh. I did it. Well, that's very um, impressive that like you, you have a job, right? And then you go out and do your own business and making calls. And, you know, <laughs> and then aren't you concerned about your boss going to catch up? And then well, well, you know, I mean, at the time I, I was selling, I was selling a lot of cars. I was good at it. I guess it was because mainly I was younger. So people didn't get that, you know, um, salesman kind of sleazy salesman kind of feeling for me and so that's why i was really good at it and i you know just finished what i had to do every day so so i have a question for you because i've seen people when they start their business right making a couple of calls a couple of rejection they quit just like that oh, yeah. Right? yeah and what inspired you to keep going after knocking hundreds of doors and calling hundreds of people and take a year to get your first deal yet you still here and you didn't quit yeah i mean you know that's one of the things I've, i i found that most businesses fail because they just don't focus on revenue generating activity most businesses you know what what people do is when they get into businesses they look at their business cards right and they're improving their business card every single day they're working on their website they're working on their flyers but really nobody cares about any of that you know when i first started knocking on doors i literally started knocking on doors the day i got my real estate license i did not have business cards i did not have a website i did not have anything at all and I just went out just knocking on doors just to get things going. And so I think a lot of businesses and a lot of people that get into business, they just focus on the wrong things and they don't do enough revenue generating activity. Because if you're not out there generating revenue every single day, getting clients, getting customers, nothing matters. I mean, even up until this day, the vast majority of our time is not servicing clients. I mean, sure, we service our business, we have to get it done. And we have systems and processes to make that go smoothly and easily. But that's not really the focus. The focus every single day, every single week, every single month is how do we go out and take more market share how do we go get more clients get more customers and that's really my my number one focus so why did i why did i keep doing it because you know my only other option was to sell cars or go to college for the rest of my life and get a job and i hated that and i was willing to do anything except that i see so the one you you just share right focus when business fail because they're not focusing on acquiring customers income producing activity did you learn this from experience or some mentor or you go to some sales training they taught you that or where did you learn that yeah i mean to be honest with you i just learned it from the fact that i would look at my bank account when i started and i had no money <laughs> it's like look i gotta get some money in there because i was completely broke i was in debt i didn't have any money and it's like you know i could focus on my business card but who's looking at my business card who's looking at my website i i have to you know get some money in my bank going so that way i could pay the bill I see. So you're learning from your own experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. So uh, for our listener, if you are young adult, you want to start your own business, right? Like a boss, right? Um, you don't need to have everything. You don't need to be perfect to get started. But I know one thing for sure. You do need to get started to be successful. I love that. Absolutely. Right. And then so so now you get your first car, uh, not first car, first house. Transaction, yep. Your first transaction, how does that feel? 
Uh, well, it felt great because that was a million dollar sale. And you know, here's the other thing. When I got into business, I kind of looked at what everybody else was doing and I decided I'm going to do the complete opposite of everyone else. And so people told me, look, Abbas, if you come in and you do what you're trying to do, you're going to fail in business. Because when I got into business, I remember everyone I spoke with wanted me to work with buyers. They wanted me to focus on having a buyer-based business because that's the easiest way to do it. That's what most agents do out there. But then I looked and I found that most agents are not doing enough business you know, the way I would want to. And I saw that the top of the top of the top people in the industry are focusing on sellers. So I decided to do the opposite. I decided to just focus on sellers since day one. And uh, then I looked at the people that focused on sellers and they were focused on renovating houses. They were focused on staging. And I'm like, okay, what about the people that don't want to renovate houses that want to sell as is and all that sort of stuff. So I decided to be completely different than the market and just choose a specific niche to focus on. And so Basically, when I when I started, um, you know, I did things a little bit differently than other people. And, uh, I, you know, another thing I see sometimes is people get into business and they just start copying each other without mm -hmm. having a way to stand out. And that's, you know, that's kind of one of the other reasons, because you got to think about this. If you're out there and you're competing with someone else and you literally have the exact same product and yeah. sometimes the exact same price, why would they go with a newer person? They'd rather go with someone who's more established in the market. So you have to come in and have a different value proposition. So how did you figure out? Is that based from your experience, trial and error? You know, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I remember when I first got into the main thing really is that I just looked at the other people that I was you know, competing with or working with or whatever it is. And I didn't want my business to be the same way. I wanted to build a larger business, right? I didn't want to, personally, I didn't want to have buyers in my car when I first started. I mean, I was a little choosy to be honest with you. And I'm not sure if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but it ended up working out for me. I just didn't want to, I wanted to have a business run the way I want it. And I was willing to do whatever it takes to have the business of, of my dreams, right? Versus Versus just dealing with whatever I got. So that's kind of why I was very focused. But, you know, I got my first transaction and uh, it was a, you know, it was a sale. It was exactly what I wanted. It was a listing. It was at a million dollars. And I charged the amount that I wanted to charge because I, I was very specific about not being a discount agent sort of thing. And so, um, you know, I got my first listing. I made like $30,000 on that. And uh, I paid off all my bills, all my credit card, you know, bills and all that sort of stuff. And then what's funny is that, a month or two later, I went out and I got a second transaction. Then mm -hmm. I got a third transaction, then a fourth and a fifth. And so business started kind of just booming. Uh, let me just turn off my phone. That's business business started booming right away. And, uh, you know, one thing came after another. And two years later, I, I was selling enough houses to, to be making like $350,000 a year at, at 21, which at the time for me was a lot. But I also kind of got burned out on on looking at how much how many hours I was working. I was putting in 15 hours a day, seven days a week, mm. doing the same thing over and over and over. I was on the phone 15, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, and then you know doing other work for the, the remainder of four hours. And so at some point, I just kind of got tired of it. I, I was like, I'm not really. I'm making a lot of money, but I am not having a business. I don't have employees. I I can't scale past $350,000 a year anymore. And that's when I decided I need to start systematizing and I need to start hiring people. That's beautiful. So from you was talking about sharing your story, it started with 18, right? It's yep. that spark 
about I don't want to go back to school. I don't want to work as a car salesperson that drives you. And then yep. it, your consistency, you never give up your mental toughness and get your first deal. And um, what I learned also from that means that sometimes a lot of people do everything, right? They do everything, right? Yeah. So what I learned from your success is that you start a business in real estate and then you found that niche and then you own that niche. And that's, yeah. I think that's one of the big reason that to your success, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I mean, I've also built other arms within that sales business. And that's, that's exactly what we do every time. Like, what is it that we're going to specifically be an expert at? And we just focus on that. I got into commercial real estate, obviously, you know, six, seven months ago. And it's the same thing. I'm like, okay, this is what I want. And I'm not going to divert from, from my exact target. Now I might have different ways to get it. For example, like when I started, I, I started off with door knocking that didn't work out for me because I couldn't scale it. So I went on to cold calling. So I'm fine with changing the strategy, but I don't change the target. Wow. That's beautiful. Like sometimes you, you may tweak the plan, right? But you stay on track. Absolutely. And, and, and once you get to the 350,000, you realize, wow, I'm a business operator. I'm not the business owner. Right. So now, and then you pivot again and to, to, to seek. So what I learned from that is you always very resourceful of us. Like every time challenge hits, right. You, you look at it as an opportunity for you to grow. That's what I see from you. That's beautiful. Yeah, you have to. You really have to because you know what I realize is that my well, maybe they're not, but that's the way I think is that my competitors are always out there growing. They're always improving. They're always getting better. And if I can't scale up my business and I can't outdo my competitors, then eventually I'm going to be out of business. And so I'm always growing my business because of that. So when you now you know, wow, I, I am a business operator. I need some help. What, right. what, what is your first thing that you start? Where did you seek help? And how did you delegate? Yeah, so, you know, it, it was interesting because at the time I was kind of brainwashed into thinking that I was the best at everything I did and nobody could do what I do. I thought I was special. I was the best on the phones. I thought I was the best salesperson, whatever. And um, I had, and I think a lot of people have that problem. That's kind of why they get stuck into thinking they can't hire people or their business is different and they shouldn't hire people for their business, right? Which is another mistake I see all the time. And so people end up getting burnt out just the way I kind of did when I was 21. And so what I realized is that if I can do something, I can get other people to do it. I just need to do two things. One thing is I need to simplify it, meaning whatever it is I do, I, I wanted to make sure I dump it down. So that way, if I hire someone else, I don't want to rely on their talent or their brain power or how smart they are. I want the, I just want to rely on the fact that this person is hardworking and willing to put in the work. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is I wanted to any anything I did, I wanted to look at it and see how do I how do I make it exactly the same over and over and over and over again. And kind of part of the inspiration to that was McDonald's. I see businesses like, mm. you know, McDonald's or whatever. I could go to any McDonald's in the US. I could order a double cheeseburger and it comes out exactly the same, even though they're completely different people every single time I go. And so I looked at that and I was like, okay. If I want to grow my business, how do I get it to operate that way where everything is easy and the other part of it, everything is always the same. I don't have to rely on, hey, does this person know how to make a burger? No, it's always the same. It's the same formula over and over again. So that's kind of the first thing I did. 
is um, I sat down, and by the way, when you're doing this, sometimes you, you, you slow down in production because you're focusing on expansion. Sometimes you have to slow down in order to speed up later on. And so I remember about two years ago, it's been now two years, I, I slowed down because I wanted to kind of take a quick look at my business. And I literally cut down 50% of everything I was doing because it was too complicated. It was too hard. And did that make me lose some business? I think possibly, but I didn't care because I was focused on just being great at a few things and losing out on anything that was complicated. So that's the first thing I did. I had a big board kind of like, like yeah. this one, right? And I, I, I like boards. So what I did is I looked at every single task I did and I just started you know, scratching out a bunch of things. I'm like too hard, too complicated, too complicated. And then I took the main things that we did that generated revenue the most, and I just simplified the hell out of them. I just kept simplifying and simplifying and simplifying and then making scripts and all that sort of stuff until they became super easy to the point where I could put somebody who has a low, that was my whole idea, um, is that if I put someone who doesn't, seem to be very smart could they still perform this job and if the answer is no then i will go back and simplify it even further yeah oh, that's amazing and when you was talking i i, I realized the old abbas right the 20 uh 21 years old right at yeah, that by the time, yeah. At the time, 21 years old, was grinding it, was grinded out, right? Oh, then yeah. now the abbas is working smart, right? Having people system like i see the transition yeah, I mean, you know, you could only work so hard and at some point, like, there's no more hard work you could put in. You've already maximized yourself. I mean, I remember at that time before I started making systems and hiring, I was, I started off calling on the phone, right? Just, just a single phone calling random people. And then I decided, well, you know what? There are systems out there that let me call three people at a time. So I did that. I would call three people at a time with my, with a dialer. Then I thought, well, look, I'm wearing one headset on one ear. I could get another phone and then call six people at a time. So, and then I decided to do 12 hours a day of that. So I was calling six people at a time on two phones. So, you know, I kept, I kept maximizing how, what I could do, but at some point you just run out, like there's no more no more that you could do and that's when you have to start systematizing and hiring so moving on to hiring once i decided to s simplify my systems which is what i did um i went out and i posted a job ad on indeed and all these other monster all these other websites looking for people to hire and then i realized a couple of things one is that employees are very very expensive right and that's that's a common thing right uh, they're very expensive and also even if i was willing to pay the cost of having an employee the problem is I was not able to find people that are competent enough very quickly, meaning I posted a job ad and I would get one or two people to apply every like every like couple of days. And that was not enough. I wanted more people applying. I wanted faster results. And that's when I was that's when I decided, well, look, I mean, it's it's a phone job. Why would I? why would I have somebody local? What if I want to hire people from a different country? So I started looking at hiring people from the Philippines, virtual assistants from the Philippines. And the first thing I did is I went out and I hired um, a company that specializes in hiring virtual assistants. So I hired my first virtual assistant and um, you know, at the time it was like 10 and a half dollars per hour or whatever, because these companies charge you double or whatever. So I was paying ten and a half dollars per hour. It was great to me, and um, 
hired my first person, trained her up on my systems. And then I, as I was training her on my systems, I realized I had to cut down in some areas to simplify it even further, mm -hmm. which is, you know, because that's, you know, you could, you could think about all these things, but once you get somebody in there, uh, you know, you, you realize, Hey, maybe this is still too difficult. This is still too hard. So I simplified it even further. Then I went out, hired a second person and then a third and then a fourth. And I kept on hiring and the more people I hired, the, the more my business went up. And then the pandemic hit about obviously in March of, of 2020. And uh, I looked at everyone else. Everyone else was letting people go. They stopped marketing. And I was like, okay, this is my opportunity. This is the time where I'm going to explode my business. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to hire as many people as I could and have them do the exact same thing and, and just kind of be ready for when the market you know opens back up. And so that's what I did. Because at some point, I, I realized at some point, people are going to get back to their normal life. It may be a month, it may be three months, it may be four months, who knows? So that's what I did. I kept on hiring and I made it a rule. I will never stop hiring people. At that time, when COVID hit, I was like, I will never stop hiring people. And so I just pushed myself to do that. And uh, now we have 25 people and that's kind of why my business just exploded. I went from 350 to this year, we're on track to net about a million and a half to two. And the nice thing about it is that I was able to almost completely get myself out of the business. So it's almost it's almost very passive right now at, at this point because of the systems I set in place. But as I was hiring people, this is another thing I realized is that I got myself out from the calling position. Mm. Like I wasn't needing to call people anymore to generate business because I had people do that. But then I noticed what took me the most amount of time was interviewing people to hire them on our team. So that's, I decided, you know what? I need to have a hiring manager and that's what I did. So I got a hiring manager and then I realized, okay, well now we're hiring so many people. I was busy training them all the time and I hated that. So then I put on a training manager and then, you know, it's like, as I went along, you know, I realized that whatever takes 80% of my time, mm. I need to make videos about to, to like automatically train people with video. And then I need to put another person in charge of that task. So anything that takes 80% of my time, I quickly get out of my business uh, or, or my plate. And that, that was another thing that helped me expand very quickly. Yeah, and Abbas, you remind me, one of my mentors taught me, I think I remember it, it was Bill. You, you, you're going to learn, uh, going to go to his workshop. I can't wait. Yeah, he said that um, when you have assistant, don't have assigned more than three tasks. What, what are your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree. So actually, yeah. it's, it's uh, I would say almost everybody in my business has one task. One task. One task. I mean, the training manager has a task of training people, right? And and or maybe and calling maybe when she's she's free. But that's pretty much all she does. The hiring manager, I mean, you know, she's hiring almost ninety percent of the time, and then just doing a, a couple odd things here and there. Um, and then I, you know, I have a guy who does follow up, right, and sales. And so it's the same thing. All he does is follow up because I want people to be experts at what they do. And I want them to be the best that they could become. And here's the thing. If I find someone who's great at training, yeah. I don't want to waste their time doing other tasks that they're not that great at. I just want them mm -hmm. to be good at training. If I find someone like my, for example, my salespeople, the people that follow up with our leads and our customers, they have to be great salespeople. Do I want to waste this time on training people or hiring or cold yeah. calling? No, I, I want them to just do that one task and be great at it. Yeah. So have, if you're thinking about hiring a VA, don't try to have your VA do everything, right? Specialized, oh, no. specialized task. Just hire more VAs, you know, uh, and, and see, here's another thing I realized is that, you know, like I said, I started off by going to an agency to hire a VA. 
And I hired my first person that way, but then I realized that was a mistake. Here's why. Because the people that ended up going through agencies were people that could not get a job on their own most of the time. Mm -hmm. And so what would happen is I was stuck with people that were not that great. And, and I was paying double the amount. So I was like, okay, well, how do I make it more cost efficient so I could hire more people and also get better quality? So that's when I decided to start looking into um, just hiring directly. So I went on this website, it's called um, onlinejobs.ph. And that's kind of like the, you know, that's kind of like the Craigslist of the Philippines. So I started posting job ads there. And, and you know, after hiring my first person, everyone else I hired basically from that website. And about four or five months ago, I noticed another thing. And that is, you know, we, we reached 15 virtual assistants and we kind of got stuck around that number. You know, I noticed every time I asked my hiring manager, how many people do we have? She's like, oh, we have 15. I'm like, okay, well, what's going on? And it's like, we're, we were constantly competing with all these larger companies like Amazon and, you know, all these major AT&T, Comcast that were now focused heavily on hiring in the Philippines. So that's when I decided, well, look, if I'm going to hire people virtually, I don't care if they're in the Philippines or in their Mexico or if they're in Argentina or Brazil or whatever. So we decided to start hiring from all over the world, India, Central America. I mean, just literally all over. And that's kind of when we got over that 15 number. And now we're, we're at 25 because now we hire from anywhere. It doesn't matter to me. So that's that was another thing that helped me expand to a higher level. It's beautiful. Yeah. And 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 now that's how you um, made your your real estate business right running and you have more free time. And now I, I see that you're ambitious, right? You're always expanding. And now you're not satisfied with being a, a realtor. You want to become an investor. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, about six months ago. I I looked at my business and it was going well. You know, here's the thing about about my business is that I enjoyed it the most when I was kind of struggling because that was the fun part is like, look, I either do well or I am just out on the streets. And so that was kind of fun to me, the challenge of it. And as I was growing it, it was more and more and more challenging, but it was fun. I enjoyed that. But about six months ago, I pretty much solved every problem that we were having. Business was going really well. I, you know, had people do all these different things and it's like, I kind of got bored, it became too easy. And I'm like, you know what I want to, and I was paying too much in taxes, by the way, that's another major reason why, um, I was paying a lot in taxes. So I spoke with my CPA and I'm like, you know, what am I supposed to do to lower my tax bill? And she's like, well, I mean, you can do this office deduction, this, you know, car lease, whatever, all these things. But really what you want to do is you want to invest in real estate. You want to put your money in real estate. So that way you could lower your taxable income and get all these deductions and all that sort of stuff. So that's when I started looking at real estate. I, and I thought at the time, look, I want to buy four units at a time, or I want to buy single family houses where I live in California. But then I realized one, I didn't want to deal with tenants and toilets and all these sort of things. All right. That was not what I wanted to do in my life. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is I just didn't want to buy properties in a non-landlord friendly state in California. I sell real estate here. And one of the things I tell people all the time is just don't have rentals because if you have a tenant and the tenant decides to stop paying you money, then they have more rights than you do. And so that's what, when I decided, you know what, I want to buy real estate in other states like Arizona and Texas and all these other states. But then I'm like, okay, well, how do I manage a single family house out in Texas? It makes, you know, it's going to be too difficult. It's going to be too hard. 
and I decided to um, start looking at how do people afford to buy 100 units, right? How do people buy these large properties that I could probably never afford if I kept, like even if I was making a lot of money, I can't buy a $50 million property on my own. It's just, it's too difficult. And so that's when I found that you could do the syndication model where you find a property and then you could get multiple investors, including yourself to invest. And that to me was like a light bulb woman. I was like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to invest in. You get the cash flow, you get the appreciation and you get the tax deductions without having to manage a single tenant and a single property, which was not going to be fun at all. Mm -hmm. And so I, I started doing that six months ago, six months ago. Yep. Right. And then I know that you invested in the program, start to learning about it. So can you tell our listener, like, why is so important to invest in your personal growth? Why, what is so important to invest? Yeah. Um, you know, I've always had, I've always had mentors. Every, I mean, every part of my life uh, I've had people now had I to have, have I switched around as I went along? Absolutely, because sometimes you outgrow your mentors, you outgrow the people that you're learning from, or maybe the people you're learning from are good at one thing, but they're not good at everything. And so at some point you might have to find someone else in areas that they just can't fill. Like I remember when I first got into the sales business, I got a mentor who was great at sales. He taught me sales. I, I literally learned everything I know about sales from my mentor but he did not know how to scale a business. He did not know how to market. He did not know how to do these things. And so I had to, you know, find other people and figure a lot of things out on my own. And that, but that helped boost my business tremendously. The fact that I learned sales from somebody who had done it for 30 or 40 years of the time. And so when I, every time I decide to do anything, I'm like, okay, who's the best person that I could learn from? Who's the best person I could pay to, to save myself all this time? I want to compress time because we don't have a lot of time. I mean, if I get to live to 80, that means I have 60 years or whatever left. And so I have to move as fast as possible. And I can't I can't take too long in everything. I can't spend 40 years to learn sales. I need to learn it from somebody else. So when I got into the multifamily industry, um, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I wanted to buy 100 units plus, And I wonder who's the best person to teach me that. And so I found Brad Sumrock. And, you know, I didn't, that's another thing I don't do is I don't think about stuff like that too much because if you think and think and think, you end up just delaying. And so I found out about Brad at night. The next morning I called and signed up. And that's, that's what I do. Same thing with Bill Walsh. I wanted to learn how to speak publicly on stages mm -hmm. because I have a fear of public speaking. So I found out about Bill Walsh from you. And then the next day I signed up. So, so I just signed up for things very quickly. And, you know, have I lost some money? because maybe I signed up for the wrong programs. Yeah, a little bit, but I've gained way more money by signing up for the right people uh, quickly and just going in. And this is another thing. Anytime I learn something from, from a mentor, I don't go and try to change what they do because I think I could do it better. I implement their systems literally to the T. If somebody who's in a higher position than me in, in that specific field tells me to do something, I will do it exactly the way they tell me. And maybe at some point I will start changing things, but not until I get better results than they could. Wow. So what I learned from you, uh, Abbas, number one, age, it's irrelevant, right? The, oh, the, yeah. the thing that you just share, it, it just 
full of wisdom. I have to say that, right? And and then also I see the quality the in within you, which is number one, you understand the power of leverage, right? You understand the opportunity cost, you understand the difference between expenses versus investing. And you also very coachable because you mentioned I follow the coach to the T, right? I've seen so many people like, oh yeah, you do great, but I want to create my own, right? So yeah, so that, that's something that I really want to acknowledge that. And then here I have a question. Uh, it says that, I know this is a long answer for that. What are the criteria for hiring a successful VA onto your team? Yeah, our criteria is very simple. Uh, and this is the same criteria for anything really when it comes to hiring for me is I, I don't care about anybody's skills because here's why. When they get into my business, I am going to completely have them unlearn everything they ever did. And I'm going to have them learn the way we do things. So my criteria is very simple. I look for people that are smart, right? Now, when I say smart, I don't mean I need a genius, but I need someone who's smart enough to realize they don't need to come up with their own methods and their own systems. I want people to be like me, which is I, when I'm learning from someone, I will completely be a student. I will not go in and try to change things around. So smart. I want them to be humble, right? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is I want someone who's going to um, not be a jerk because I don't find that fun to be around. I want to enjoy the people I work with. I want them to be nice. I want them to be mm -hmm. fun to be around. And so I look for people that are humble. And mm -hmm. then finally, and this is the most important, is I want people that are committed to work. There's so many times where I find people that are smart, they're skilled, but they're not committed and they don't show up to work. They don't put in the work. And that's why they end up not working out too well. Like if I remember myself back when I was 18, did I have any skills? No, I was, I was, I had no skills, um, you know, but here's what I did have. I had commitment to make whatever I wanted to do successful. And so that commitment got me the skills I needed to become successful at it. And so that's another thing I look at is commitment to work. Mm. And what does your qualification process look like? And now you, your your manager do the work. <laughs> she does, yeah. So so really, I mean, it depends on it depends on the task that you want them to do. So I'll give you an example. If I'm trying to hire someone who's going to be on the phone, the first qualification I want them to have is to speak English well and have as low of or as little of an accent as possible. So we have them submit voice recordings. And we don't, by the way, this is another thing. I never read resumes. Like, I don't care what someone's resume says. I, I literally almost never read resumes. And if we do request resumes, it's just to kind of see if people are actually going to put in the effort, right, uh, to, to do that. But anyway, so what we do, for example, if I'm hiring someone who's going to be calling, then we have them submit voice recordings. And I kind of have a role where it's like, I want to make a decision on this person's voice recording within five seconds. Because if they call someone on the phone, later on that person is going to decide to talk to this person or not within the first five seconds and so that's the same thing i do and i'm i'm thinking look if this person is going to interact with my customers how quickly are they going to make a decision because that's how quickly i need to make a decision on a person that's that's one but if i was hiring for other sort of roles then it, it just kind of depends on what it is exactly I need. Like recently we were hiring for people to do video editing and I kind of had to figure that out. It's like, okay, how do I hire someone to do video editing? Cause I don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I hired a person because he sounded good, but then it turned out to not be good. And uh, then I was like, okay, the next time I hire, I'm just going to give them a video to edit 
prior to us even doing an interview. And if they, if I like that edit, then I will go ahead and interview them. So really you just kind of have to figure it out. Um, every role is different. And then another thing I have, this is a rule that I always follow. And that is if I want to hire for one role, mm -hmm. I will hire four people and then I'll fire three and keep one. Wow. So hire four, fire three, keep one. Because the reality is you're going to make mistakes. So you see, when when I every time I ask Abbas a question, he can just speak out without any scripting, right? As you can see that this is all real life experience. It's not something that he like learned from the book or right. Exactly. This is all from your real life uh, trial and error experience. And really appreciate you you share that uh, golden nuggets. And and speaking of the virtual assistant. Um, some people they think, well, do I need to wait until I make some money first, or uh, or should I just start hiring now? What What is your thoughts on that? Well, everybody should hire. I mean, I don't care if you have a business or you don't have a business. You should hire virtual assistants, right? Or or just hire people in general. Because the way I look at it is this: you look at what is your time worth per hour, right? Because I don't, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you're making or what business you're running. You have a time per hour cost, and so for me, is my time worth five or six dollars per hour, or is it more? And if it's more, then I will keep hiring. And as you scale up your times for your dollars per hour, you, you know, you always want to look at what are you doing and then how do you how do you pay somebody less to do what you're what you're getting paid right now so that you could move on to a higher paying task. And so that that's kind of how I, I look at it. Everybody should hire. Don't wait. That's a, that's a mistake I did for two years. I waited to hire people. And then look at the opportunity cost that you. Oh, I, I'm sure I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars or exactly more. right. And then um, the the question asks is: Did being rejected when you were knocking doors and help you create mental toughness in your life and business? No doubt. So uh, I was not I was not used to rejection, obviously. So when I first got in, I, I remember it was hard at first. Like, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. Here's the thing. Nothing is easy. Nothing that's worth doing in my life that I've done has been easy. And to me, that's completely fine. If something is easy, then I'm probably working on the wrong thing. So, um, you know, is it hard? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? It was harder when I got on the phone because now I was getting like, you know, 150 to 200 rejections and phone slams every single day. But then at some point you kind of get used to it and you're like, I don't like, I don't even care anymore. If somebody rejects me right now, it's like, it doesn't even cross my mind at all. I don't even think about it. You don't take it personally anymore. I, well, I don't, my brain doesn't even register it. <laughs> like I don't even realize it sometimes. So for people who like very thin skin and getting to, to sales, what kind get of- over it. Get over it, <laughs> get over it. Okay, yeah, don't, don't be too soft. <laughs> Beautiful. So, wow. I, I wish we can have more time to your story. Like Bill says, it's really too big to play small. I can't wait to see you expand in your multifamily investing and also uh, speak on various stages. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I know that you also uh, bring an amazing gift for, for our listeners. If they can, when they resonate with you, you're willing to uh, let them, why don't I just let you I'll, 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 I'll do it. So, so, yeah. you know, Here's the thing. One of the things I realized um, is that if you're making any amount of money, you're paying a lot of taxes. And one of the problems that I had is that not only was I paying taxes, I had money sitting in the bank doing absolutely nothing. I look, I would look at inflation and inflation is going through the roof. They say it's 5%. I personally don't believe that the average house has gone up 24% in one year 
So how is it 5%, right? So it makes no sense to me. So one of the things I realized is that I need to invest my money in things that go up in value. And so if you are interested in investing in real estate, I would love to talk to you and kind of give you the you know, the ins and outs of what you need to invest in, how to choose the right markets, how to invest in the right properties, and what are the benefits to you? What are the downsides of investing in real estate? And just kind of give you an idea of how to do it. So if you're interested in that, uh, feel free to send me an email at abbas at the abbasgroup.com. I'd love to do like a 20 or a 30 minute, um, you know, conversation with you one-on-one -on -one for free. And uh, that way you can see if you're interested in investing in real estate like I do. That's goal right there for the person who hired 25 virtual assistants to run his business, his hours. <laughs> you know, this is like really priceless for me. And you also have a website, right? People want yep. to know about what you do. Uh, what's a website that people can go to? Yeah, so you could go to theabazgroup.com. That is T-H-E-A-B-B-A-S group.com. And so, you know, there we post webinars about real estate uh, when we do those. And we have a few videos and whatnot that, that could be helpful to a lot of people out there as well. Beautiful. And we will. Anyway, I will say this on my website. If you don't like the way it looks, it doesn't matter. I don't care because what I focus on is not the website. Yes, a boss only focused on income producing activity. Right? I love it. There you go. <laughs> right? He is the person who walked the walk, right? And one, we also will help you distribute this information when people want to connect with you. So one last golden nugget, any piece of advice that you can give to entrepreneurs to build their own successful virtual team. I would say, and this would be true in anything you're trying to do, take massive action, right? Whether you're going to be calling, whether you're going to be door knocking, whether you're going to be advertising or hiring, whatever it is you're doing, just don't play small, just take massive action. And, you know, the way I look at it is there's so many more people that are far more accomplished than I am. And I need to catch up. That's, that's, that's just the reality. So I'm going to work as hard as humanly possible i'm going to set up as many systems that i need to set up. i'm going to hire as many people as i need to hire and i'm just going to take massive action every single day consistently and i think a lot more people need to do that as well massive action right and and yep. say yes and then figure out later figure it out later commit first figure it out later as grant cardone says yeah and boss you i see that when you have success in uh, real estate in your realtor business right and then you get bored now you do apartment and I bet once you get bored with that, you're going to do other things. Do you right. do anything for fun? <laughs> <laughs> I get that question a lot. And I hate to say this this way, but I I enjoy what I do. Uh, and and I, that's why I do it so much. Like, you know, I could go out and I could barbecue on the weekends and do all that sort of stuff. I just don't enjoy it. I enjoy building my business. I enjoy looking at how fast we're growing. And, you know, every time I'm like, OK, what happened over the past year? I look at how much we've accomplished and that makes me more excited. So I'm like, OK, I got to double down even more. So that's really what I enjoy. I enjoy just kind of building my business the most. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, uh, you're probably not going to be very successful at it because it takes a lot of work and a lot of commitment. And if you're if you're just dabbling because you're like, oh, I hate my life, then you need to fix it quickly. You just remind me, our mentor Bill mentioned, he said that find something that you really passionate about. That's number one. Yep. And you are really good at it and then you're willing to do it free, then you will have a successful business. Absolutely. That could also that could also make money because sometimes people follow, you know, that sort of thing and then they get into something that doesn't make money. Right. Yeah. So you have to make money. That's that's, yeah. that's important.
Oh yeah, did I miss it? There's some money being made in the industry. There you go. <laughs> I missed I missed it. One very important key point. So thank you so much. If you Absolutely. yeah yeah for young adults or anybody right, you see that Abbas have an amazing chat record. Everything he does, I believe it will turn into gold. And when you have the opportunity to connect with him, take it right. Say yes, regardless. When you don't know where to start, you may not have the money. You will figure out, right? He doesn't start with a silver what silver spoon. So, in the uh, exactly. No, I, did, I was the opposite of that. So you know, I, I I feel like most people watching probably had a better you know financial childhood growing up than I did, right? And and but it doesn't matter. What matters is what are you willing to do to change it. Beautiful. Thank you so much, and and we're looking forward to have you in our next show. Uh, talk about your expansion of your apartment investing. Sound well, good? I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Angeline, for having me here. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, by time. the way, uh, next week, tune in for another amazing, powerful speaker. We're going to talk about the spiritual growth and how does that empower your business. See awesome. you next week. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Take care. Take care.